on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Foley. Doubleheader sweeps are relatively rare. Doubleheader sweeps where each game is close, that much more rare, but the Brewers pull it off today. They win game 1-7-6 this afternoon, and then they follow it up with a 3-1 victory in the nightcap. Josh Hader gets the save in each of the two games. Aaron Ashby was really good pitching into the seventh inning, going six-plus, allowing just one run on five hits, a career-high 12 strikeouts, first time he has ever had double-figure strikeouts, and he walks just two, picking up his first win of the season. And the Brewers have quite the day in Chicago they get two wins, and they now go to 32 and 18. It is their best 50-game start in franchise history. Welcome into Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting into the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. We did do a Brewers Extra Innings following the first game of of the doubleheader, so this show is really going to be focused more on the second game more than anything else, uh, and uh, as always the shows are archived at WTMJ.com on the Brewers Extra Innings podcast page if you want to check out the show from uh, after the first game, but a really good day uh, today for the Brewers and a lot of players certainly contributing to this victory. Another home run for Tyrone Taylor. He just continues to absolutely rake. Victor Ticaratini goes deep as well. And maybe the hero of the day uh, for the Brewers is Brad Boxberger, who goes two innings, gives up just one hit, two strikeouts, no walks, comes into a bases-loaded, no-out situation, and promptly gets a strikeout followed by a double play, and then he pitches multiple innings for the first time this year. What a performance from Brad Boxberger. It's, it's easy to be a prisoner of the moment, but it's hard to think of, a bigger and better day for Boxberger. They did not use him in the first game of the doubleheader, and when that happened, you thought there was a good chance that maybe he would be responsible for the ninth inning today. Clearly, manager Craig Council probably went to Josh Hader, went to Devin Williams after that first game to find out how they were feeling, if they would be available for that second game. And once they got word that Hader would be good to go, you could move Boxberger into that role that he had today where he covers the seventh and eighth innings, and the Brewers come away with the 3-1 victory. Just a fantastic day all the way around for the Brewers. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. In about 10 minutes, we are going to be joined by former Brewer Vinny Rotino. Around 10.35, we'll hear the postgame comments of manager Craig Council. Around 10.45, we'll go back through the game with the highlights. So a lot to do between now and 11 o'clock. Brewers pull off the doubleheader sweep today, winning 7-6 and 3-1. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. 1-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He had no shot at that fastball at 96. You knew that was coming eventually. And he strikes out Velasquez for his fourth strikeout of the night. 
Aaron Ashby would finish with 12 strikeouts, a career high in six-plus strong innings as the Brewers get the 3-1 win to complete a doubleheader sweep of the Cubs today. Brewers extra innings rolling on here on WTMJ. Want to join us? You can do so. Call or tax the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line, or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. At Brew Crew Scott tweeting in says, what were the first words you spoke following boxes inning ending DP? I don't remember for sure, but it was probably something along the lines of, are you kidding me? I, that or maybe wow, like I, and yeah, I, I was I was right now I'm speechless. That was incredible what he was able to do to get the strikeout and then the type of double play that they turn to finish it off. That wasn't your standard six four three DP, right? Like that was a that was a challenging double play that they pull off, and that was a great moment. I started looking for like Houdini gifts on Twitter to tweet something out, and, and all of a sudden the next thing that happened was uh, I took too long looking for uh, the GIF, and the next thing you know, you had the uh, the Tyrone Taylor home run, and it was like, I better be, ew. I, I just, it was incredible. It was incredible uh, what he was uh, able to do today. Brian in Shorewood says, I'm probably just ignorant, but how was Hader able to come out for game two? I thought he was done for the day after being used in game number one. So, it in a doubleheader, nothing that happens in game one like controls who's available and who's not available in game two outside of like, if your body can hold up. So it's not a situation where just because you pitch in the first game, you're not allowed to pitch in the second game. Uh, so he was allowed to. Uh, the question was, it's a rare thing. You don't see guys pitch uh, both games of a doubleheader that often. And I promise you, Craig Council went to Hater between games and said, how do you feel? Do you feel like you could come back out? And it was probably a conversation that continued a little bit during the game just to see how he was feeling. So that's uh, it doesn't happen that often. Uh, the uh, He becomes just uh, the, the last pitcher to do it for the Brewers was uh, was actually Jim Henderson, who's the bullpen coach. There's a cool picture of Hayter and, uh, and Henderson in the clubhouse together that the Brewers tweeted out uh, just a little while ago. It's a really, really tough thing to be able to uh, to pull off. It, it was a little bit different for Hayter from the first game to the second game. You know, he strikes out three in that first game. Uh, second game, he has just, just the one strikeout, just one uh, strikeout. But he still had the velocity. That was, that was impressive. And his total pitches thrown today, he throws 16 pitches in the first game, and he throws 13 pitches in the second game. So he doesn't throw more than 20 pitches in either game. Now, I would be shocked if he's used tomorrow. I think that would that's borderline reckless if you use him tomorrow. So Devin Williams is probably slated to be the ninth inning guy tomorrow if it's a safe situation uh, for the Brewers. And I would, I would doubt that Brad Boxberger would be available after having a two-inning stint. So there may be some creativity when it comes to the bullpen tomorrow. But worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, the Brewers were able to come up with a, a doubleheader sweep today. And uh, that, was, uh, that was certainly... Uh, impressive. Doug texting in says, two all-star pitchers hurt. I don't think it matters. Just pencil and Ashby. 12 strikeouts. Amazing. Most managers probably have trouble sleeping at night. Not Craig Council with this pitching. As for Tyrone Taylor, I've made myself clear with him at several times. And then he says, what is the percentage on that catch? And what that is alluding to is Tyrone, we make the comparison between Tyrone Taylor and Lorenzo Cain. 
And Tyrone Taylor right now is obviously a better offensive player than Lorenzo Cain. He is giving you much more from an offensive standpoint. Uh, Lorenzo Cain is the superior defensive player, and there are some plays that Tyrone Taylor has not made that Lorenzo Cain probably would have made. That being said, that play that he made today uh, in foul territory, catching that ball right up against the barrier, that was a really, really, really good play. And yes, what the catch probability is, you're not going to like the answer, but this is StatCast and, and all the data that's going on inside of the ballpark. It is incredible. It is powerful. It tells you a lot. This is one area where it's wrong because they give the catch probability there as 95%. So what I'm assuming is going on, because that's not a 95% catch. That catch is not made 95% of the time. No way, no how. That's wrong. So what I'm thinking there is when, when it comes to StatCast, they probably have a hard time uh, in the computer accounting for barriers. It's because you were right up against the barrier there. I'm just guessing. So if the barrier is not there in that spot, then, yeah, that's a 95% catch. If the, if the stands start five feet further, that's a 95% catch. But with the barrier there, that becomes a much, much, much more challenging catch. So officially, StatCast will tell you it's 95%. Uh, 95% is not correct, for sure. Uh, Dan text in. There was speculation by some that the Brewers would look to trade pitching for position players. Do you think that would be an option for this year in light of injuries and the short spring that you discussed earlier today? Hmm. Ah, uh, no, not not with the Freddie Peralta injury. That's that's my initial answer. They stocked themselves full of starters, and now they need pretty much all of them uh, because Freddie. Freddie Peralta's not back. They'll reevaluate Peralta in August. And my opinion on this is if he's not coming back till August, then I would bring him back as a bullpen pitcher. And not because I think Peralta's better as a bullpen pitcher, not because I don't think he should be a starter, but because you're bringing him back in August. How much more time is it going to take to stretch him out as a starter when you already have the current group of five that you have right now, plus whatever Ethan Small may give you during the year. You can get Freddie Peralta in a different role. Look, there's going to be some tough decisions to be made going into the postseason for this club because not every single one of these starters is going to be a starting pitcher in the postseason. So if you're not getting Peralta back until August anyways, just bring him back as a reliever that that fixes some of the problem on the decisions that you have to make on who the starters are going to be. We've already seen in his career that he can be a really powerful weapon out of the bullpen. I just don't see much purpose in working really, really hard to stretch him out as a starter in, in August when you've got a month left in the season and you may not need him. Now, that be the, the, the caveat on that is, well, what if another pitcher goes down? What if the situations are different? What if there is a trade? Like all those things are true. So I'm I'm talking in terms of what it looks like right now with everybody healthy. Things can clearly change between now and August, where there would be a necessity for him to come back as a starter. But right now, if everybody else is healthy, I I don't see a re- you want to get the most out of him the rest of the way. I would bring him back as a relief guy, and then 
put him back as a starter next season. I'm not telling you he's going to be a relief reliever for the rest of his career. I'm not. He's a really, really good starter. I'm just looking at the timeline. If he's coming back in early June or even early July, then then I'm not saying that. But he's, but if he's being reevaluated in August. I just I don't see the point in trying to stretch him out at that point on the calendar. Brewers uh, sweep a doubleheader from the Cubs today. Vinny Rotino is set to join us in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. First pitch. Popped him up. Right field. Long run for Tyrone Taylor. Will it stay in play? He jumps up. Did he make the catch? He did. Oh, my goodness, Tyrone Taylor. Absolute robbery. Down the right field line, he sacrificed his body in the process. You won't see a better catch than the one Tyrone Taylor just made. There were some plays made in this game. There were some plays made in this game. Brewers get the win over the Cubs 3-1. They sweep the doubleheader today. Brewers extra innings continues here on WTMJ. Let's bring in former Brewer Vinny Rotino. And, Vinny, we will start with uh, with Aaron Ashby. Six-plus innings, one run, five hits, 12 strikeouts. First time in his career he gets to double-digit strikeouts. He's He was just dominant in this game. He made he made some, some hitters look pretty silly. Yeah, what stood out to me with him, he had 21 swings and misses on 46 swings. So that's like a like a 40% whiff rate, which Major League Average is like 23% whiff rate. So the stuff, and Craig Council talked about this, is just elite. It's a special arm. As long as he's in the zone and not flying open and leaving those fastballs uh, high in arm side, he is totally dominant. And we're going to see a lot more of this. And what the other thing that stands out to me about him is the 65% ground ball rate and the strikeouts, right? So you usually see one or the other. You usually see guys that strike dudes out or hit, or induce a ton of ground balls. He does both. And so this is very rare, and uh, he this is a special arm right here. Yeah, and he, I mean, he was locked in. To, it's really something, isn't it, that this is your sixth starter, that he's, he's only a full-time member of the starting rotation because of a Freddie Peralta injury? Yeah, and 24 years old. He's a year younger yeah. than Ethan Ethan Small is 25. So just to put that into perspective, how young this guy is, how talented he is, and, I mean, he's just going to continue to get better. I mean, all of a sudden he throws his changeup out of nowhere 31 times and got 23 strikes with it. So, you know, usually it was fastball, you know, two-seamer and slider, and that's typically how he's been getting out so far. But now all of a sudden Victor Caratini, and kudos to hat, hat tip to Victor Caratini, understood how good that changeup was working tonight, how good the arm speed was and the swing, and noticed the swings that the, the Cubs hitters were taking on it, and he just kept going to it and going to it. And when you have a changeup that's working that well, by the way, it's 90-mile-an-hour changeup, <laughs> uh, then he can now use his other stuff, and it just really gets the hitters off balance. They start to question and not trust what they see out of the hand because that changeup is so deceptive. It's really challenging for a relief pitcher to throw in each game of a doubleheader, and not only does Josh Hader throw, he throws very effectively, and he gets saves in each game. And his velocity, he was hitting 998 in that second game. You would have never known they pitched in that first game. 
I know. It's like, who is this guy? Like, I joke around with Craig with Craig Kashan on the show that like I, I turn off the TV when he's in the game. I don't. Obviously, it's must see TV. I probably should stop saying that on a post game show for the show that I'm on the channel that I'm I'm working for. But you but turn on the radio, po- Vinny. That's what you do. <laughs> there you go. But the point the point is the point is it's like I, there's never any panic with this guy, and it's like I I'm like oh they're going to hate her, which. I was a little bit shocked, but I also was like, he's going to get the job done. I guess the only thing that I was like worried about is like, okay, you want to make sure that this guy stays healthy for the rest of the year. He, it looked like he had no problem throwing in, in game two. I mean, it was up to 90. Was You saw 98. I saw 99 on the radar gun on TV. So it's like, holy cow, this guy is just like such a weapon. I mean, how good is he? He's one of the best closers of all time. You have to start that conversation yeah. now. I mean, it's been going on here for three years where he's uh, more than that. But, like, as a closer, it, it, it's like for three years, it's just, like, totally dominant. I think we have to take a step back and look at the totality of each of these games and the bullpen decisions that were made, how they impact each game and also impact tomorrow. So Trevor Gott stays in that game in the first game, covers the seventh inning, and that keeps Brad Boxberger out. Brad Boxberger comes in. They're set up where if Josh Hader's not available to pitch in the second game, Boxberger can cover the ninth and probably the eighth. But once they find out that Hader's available, you can use Boxberger for the seventh and eighth, and Hader comes in for the ninth, and they save Williams, so now he's available tomorrow. Between those three guys, it was really um, just a masterful use of your high-leverage guys. It was a it was a master class. I mean, seriously, it was the the um, the fact that where is I going with it? The, the the fact that Boxberger threw two innings and then we didn't. Well, let me back up. The fact that Boxberger came in in the seventh, I thought was masterfully uh, choreographed there because I didn't. That's where you use them because you got to get out. You got to get outs with bases loaded and nobody out, right? And so you bring in Boxberger, and he was able to get the job done in seven pitches, which then allowed him to go out back out for the eighth because he only threw the seven pitches. And let me, let's me let not forget to talk about how much confidence now that Aaron Ashby gets by getting the win here. Look, he threw six unbelievable innings. He leaves with three not very hard hit balls, loads the bases. He now has to get taken out of the game. He's coming out of that game very angry, right? Because now like, he's thinking to himself, I'm going to give up the lead here. These are all my runs out there, and I am, I'm going to give up four runs instead of one earned. And now my line looks way different. Boxberger comes in and gets the job done in seven pitches, then gets the job done in the eighth. They bring in Hader. And then, like you said, it, was, it, was, it all kind of lined up because of how it all worked out in the first game. And like you said, keeping God in and getting that last out for him and then you know it just it it lined up perfectly i thought council did a beautiful job any words for what brad boxberger did in the seventh i mean i don't i I, i'm still kind of in shock by it all he quick pitched i forget who he struck out oh nico horner very difficult guy to strike out i thought the game was going to be tied 100 percent after that at bat that was the right guy to pinch hit right there and Boxberger quick pitched him and pinpointed a perfect fastball in the outer black to get him looking. And then he was able to get the uh, five 
two, three double play that uh, I don't, I don't think anyone expected. Um, <laughs> it was just like a crazy inning. And uh, again, Boxberger's pulse, I think got up to 68 on that, in that inning at that point. Um, <laughs> but this guy just keeps getting the job done. Yeah. It's fun to watch. All right, Vinny, great stuff. Long day for you. We'll talk again tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. All right. Sounds good, Matt. Thanks. There's Vinny Rotino joining us. Brewers get the doubleheader sweep today. We'll continue on. We have more in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley. The Brewers pick up a doubleheader sweep of the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley. They win game one, 7-6. They win game two, 3-1. And Josh Hader picks up the save. In each game, manager Craig Council met with the media just a little while ago, and he talked about that decision to allow Hader to pitch in a second consecutive game on the same day. I think it, did, it depended on how the, the first game went and then how he felt after the first game. Um, but, um, yeah, he, he's... He's been. There was a game. There was a doubleheader a couple of years ago in New York where he was he was good to go for it. So um, he's he's kind of had it on his mind before, and um, we happened to have two opportunities, and the the, uh, the the first outing was off a little bit of rest, and he felt good, kind of recovering throughout the afternoon. And then the second one was even more efficient than the first, which was impressive in '98. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just it was Josh, you know, and um, you know it's it's a heck of a feat, um, and it's doing a little something extra for the for the guys when when they need it, as as a couple guys did today, um, and that's what it, that's what a team's all about. You just you know, sometimes you got to do a little extra, and, and Josh did a little extra today. What about Brad too? Yeah, I mean that 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 was incredible. Um, you know, he he got the strike out of Horner, who was very difficult to strike out. He made a great pitch. He quick pitched him. You know, didn't didn't lift his leg up and kind of went fast on him. Uh, great pitch. Um, and then the double play we we executed, and then he was efficient the following inning as well. So, um, you know, I, that was. Not expecting to use Brad for two innings there. Um, the fact that he threw seven pitches in the first inning, thought he had a shot to at least get get us get us some outs in that eighth inning, and um, turns out he gets he gets three and I think eleven pitches. Just on that inning, on that one play, was that just a bunt to the perfect spot, or did something not happen that should have? Well, that was a good bunt. Um, you know, I, I think. I think in the end, um, the, Colton was hobbled a little bit from the from the hit by pitch and, and probably struggling to get over there. And that's we, we ended up taking him. You know that was part of the reason. We, I mean, he, the fact that he was hobbled, we we took him out of the game. Is that something you're worried might keep him off for a little bit? Um, I mean, it, it's just it's a calf contusion that just you know is a bad Charlie kind of a bad Charlie horse right now. Not, it, I'd say. We'll have to take a look at it tomorrow. It's questionable for tomorrow, but nothing, nothing serious. Aaron's on this string of, I mean, it just seems like start after start from the early going too. Is he just like building on each outing at this point? Well, I mean, I think Aaron's a good pitcher. Um, I, I don't, you know, this is this is what uh, we, we think Aaron is going to be. Um, I mean, I, he's throwing the ball really well, and 
he's he's got just big time stuff. I mean, this is as good as stuff as uh, you know. You can you can just kind of tell by the looks on the other side and the hitters. Um, they they they're having trouble with the stuff. Um, and it you know if he's if he's around the strike zone, it's and it's it's also hard to do damage against him. You know we you know yeah, Contreras took a good swing on a changeup, but it's it's hard to get the ball in the air against him. Yeah, I mean that catch was a, that was a heck of a play too. That, that that's the other play that <clears throat> kind of gets us gets us out of an inning. Um, and then the homer to give us some some breathing room. He had a, he had a wonderful day, and he's he's had a wonderful road trip. Craig, was that the most that we've seen Aaron use his changeup too? I mean, for that to be a put away pitch for him. Yeah, I mean I think that's. You know that's probably a pitch that just it's just another thing you can add that that gives that right-handed hitter something else to worry about. Uh, but he, his fastball is so good today, um, and I, I thought he used picked some good spots for the changeup. Um, and because you got to you know he's throwing so hard, you got to cheat to get to that fastball, and not cheat. You know you got to make sure you get to it. So it's um, the changeup just kind of has to be around the plate, and he's going to get some outs on it. These are really long days for everyone. How satisfying are two wins and everyone contributing? Yeah, I mean, it's we had a great team day, um, and um, you know, some some guys did some special things without a doubt. But it was a great team day, and uh, we, you know, going into it, it's going to be a tough day, and uh, it is satisfying to come out with two wins. Um. I don't know. I feel like we don't hear Craig Council say things the way he just finished. You know, talk about the the satisfaction of a of a victory, and he'll say a great team day. But to talk about the satisfaction of getting out of there with two wins, it, you know, he's always so focused, kind of on the next thing. I, that feels a little bit different to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I, either way, I do think it underscores how good of a day this was for the club. That they they sweep a doubleheader and they sweep a doubleheader where each game was really close and in each game it took some uh, pretty special efforts to be able to to get the win. It was something. It was something today to see the Brewers do uh, what they did, even against a Cubs team that's not very good. Uh, this is a Cubs team that's kind of scrappy and they come up with wins and they go into periods where they get wins and they tend to play the Brewers tough. I, you know, there is a there is a rivalry aspect to it. You don't tell me that Wilson Contreras doesn't want to beat the Brewers a little bit more than maybe some of the other teams out there. He does. He he absolutely does. Brewers get the win. They sweep the doubleheader. How did everything go down in game number two? We'll tell you what the highlights. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Fly ball. This? Deep right. And this? Third deck. Holy smokes. Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Pauley. In game one of the doubleheader, the Brewers win 7-6. They come out for the nightcap, and they get a 3-1 victory. The pitching matchup in game number two, Aaron Ashby on the mound for the Brewers. Drew Smiley making the start for the Cubs. And early on, we see Aaron Ashby really just be absolutely dominant. In the first inning, he would strike out a couple. Then that trend would continue in the second inning. First batter of that frame, Patrick Wisdom. He strikes out. Next hitter is Nelson Velasquez. One-two pitch. Swing and a miss. He had no shot at that fastball at 96. You knew that was coming eventually. And he strikes out Velasquez for his fourth strikeout of the night. Another. 
Yeah, so four strikeouts in the first two innings. Keeps going in the third. First battery faces in the third. Alfonso Rivas, he strikes out. That brings up Andrelton Simmons. One-two pitch. Swing and a miss. Got him with a changeup. Fading down and away. Make that six strikeouts the first time through the Cubs batting order for Aaron Ashby. Mowing him down. Simmons has gone by way of the K. Yeah, not bad. No scoring until the fourth inning. That's when the Brewers would break through. Drew Smiley would be done. He had to exit the game due to injury. And Anderson Espinoza enters the contest. With one out, he walks Tyrone Taylor. That brings up Rowdy Telez. One out in the inning of the pitch. Swinging a line drive, pulled into the right field corner. It'll hit the grass and roll for a long time. That ball reaches the fence. Being waved around third is Taylor. He's going to come on in to score. There's no relay to the plate. Stand-up RBI double, Rowdy Telez. And the Brewers strike first in game two. They've got a 1-0 lead in the fourth inning. But the, uh, the Cubs answer that run in the bottom of the fourth. The leadoff hitter in the inning is Wilson Contreras. Aaron Ashby into his windup, the 1-1 pitch. Swinging a high, deep drive to left. Forget about this, baby. This is way, way back and on to Waveland Avenue over the bleachers. A game-tying home run from Wilson Contreras, and it's 1-1 in the bottom half of the fourth. Turns out that would be the only real blemish for Ashby and the Brewers. Speaking of answering, they would do so in the top of the fifth inning. With one out, it's Victor Caratini. To a pitch, high fly ball, deep center field. Half going back to the warning track, and he will run out of room. It's into the basket, and Victor Caratini gives the Brewers a 2-1 to lead. Brewers take the lead once again. Remember that whole strikeout thing from uh, Ashby? Yeah, it would continue in the fifth inning. He would strike out Nelson Velasquez. Next hitter is Clint Frazier. 3-2 pitch to Frazier. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with the changeup. Back-to-back strikeouts for Ashby and a new career-high nine strikeouts here tonight for the young Brewers lefty. All right, so that sets the career-high. Next hitter, Alfonso Rivas. Out of the windup. The pitch. Swing and a miss. Got him with his slider down and away, and Aaron Ashby with his first double-digit strikeout performance of his career as he strikes out through side, one, two, three, here in the bottom of the fifth. Never had double-figure strikeouts in a major league game prior to that. He would add two more in the sixth inning, striking out Andrelton Simmons and Ian Happ as he would end up with 12 strikeouts on the day. He would get those uh, two outs. In the inning, he would also allow a base runner uh, in the frame, thanks to uh, Christopher Morrell, who got a base hit. It brings up Frank Schwindel. First pitch. Popped him up. Right field. Long run for Tyrone Taylor. Will it stay in play? He jumps up. Did he make the catch? He did! Oh, my goodness, Tyrone Taylor! Absolute robbery down the right field line. He sacrificed his body in the process. You won't see a better catch than the one Tyrone Taylor just made. Yeah, one of the best catches you'll see is he was right up against the barrier, had to make sure to make that catch before it hit uh, the wall down there. The Cubs even challenged it just in case it did hit the wall first. It didn't, and that was something. Brewers uh, put up a scoreless inning of the Cubs in the sixth inning, and we head along to the seventh. Ashby comes out for the seventh inning for the first time in his major league career. 
gives up a base hit to Patrick Wisdom. Then Nelson Velasquez gets a hit. And then a bunt uh, single from Clint Frazier. It loads the bases. None of the balls were hit all that hard. But that ends the day for Ashby. Really tenuous situation. The Brewers have a one-run lead. The bases are loaded. And nobody is out. Brad Boxberger comes on, and the first batter he faces is a pinch hitter in Nico Horner. 2-2. Struck him out looking with a perfectly placed fastball that just clipped the outside corner. One big out in the bottom of the seventh inning. Great pitch. Brad Boxberger. Still had a runner on at third with less than two outs, though, in a one-run game as Boxberger faces off against Simmons. Swung on a chop to third, fielded by Brasso. He's coming to the plate for one out. Caratini rifles the throw to first. Two outs, a double play, and the inning is over. 5-2-3. Brad Boxberger, do yourself the job. How about it? Incredible. Incredible. One of the greatest sequences we have seen this year for the Brewers, and they get out of it in the bottom of the seventh. Top of the eighth inning, they get a little bit of breathing room thanks to Tyrone Taylor. Tyrone Taylor, first pitch swinging, launches one deep left. This ball is gone. Have yourself a day, Tyrone. Yeah, for sure. He hits a home run in each game, and he had that catch. Brewers take the 3-1 lead. Brad Boxberger comes back out for a second inning of work. First time that he works multiple innings this year. He strikes out Christopher Morrell, but then gives up a base hit to Wilson Contreras. So the Cubs have the tying run come up to the plate in Ian Happ. Boxberger's 1-1 pitch. Ground ball to second. Could be two. Peterson flips to Arias for one. Back to first in time! Peterson had to Started up with a shovel pass to Urias, covering the bag at second to throw to first in time. David Ross says he wants to take a look at it. They would take a look, but the call would be confirmed. Double play off the bat of Ian Happ. It finishes off the inning. Brad Boxberger finishes two scoreless innings, and we head to the ninth inning. Brewers leading 3-1. Josh Hader, who picked up the save in the first game of the twin bill, comes back out for the second game. First battery faces Frank pitch. Schwindel. He pops him out. Then Patrick Wisdom strikes out. So two outs in the inning, and it's Nelson Velasquez at the plate. Ground ball right back to Hayter. Finds it in his glove. An underhand toss to first. And the Brewers will win this one 3-1. to one, And they have swept the doubleheader here today on Memorial Day in Chicago. With the win, the Brewers go to 32 and 18. The Cubs drop to 19 and 29. Winning totals for the crew: three runs, three hits, no errors. They leave seven for the Cubs. One run, six hits, one error. They leave five. Winning pitcher Ashby, he's one and three. Espinosa, who pitched pretty well, he takes the loss. He goes to 0 and one. Josh Hader is 18th save. Home runs in the game: Victor Caratini is third. Tyrone Taylor is sixth. Wilson Contreras hits his seventh for the Cubs. The game lasting two hours and 52 minutes, played in front of a crowd of 28,620 folks. 3-1, the Brewers get the win in the night camp after a 7-6 win in game number one. They're back at tomorrow night. We'll preview that game and wrap things up next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley. Starting to wrap things up here on the program. Second Brewers extra innings of the day. A two-program day and two victories for the Brewers. 7-6 in game number one. 
3-1 in game number two. Let's go around baseball. Just a couple other games involving teams from the NL Central. The Cardinals today, they defeat the Padres in St. Louis by a 6-3 score. Much like the Brewers, the Padres had a hard time containing Nolan Gorman and Paul Goldschmidt. Each player hits a home run for Goldschmidt. It's already his 11th of the year. For Gorman, the young stud infielder for St. Louis, he has three hits in the contest. It was a bullpen game for St. Louis today, started by Packy Nodden, who went one inning, allowing just one run on two hits. The win ends up going to Andre Palante, who went three and a third, allowing one run on five hits, and the Cardinals do come away with the victory. The other game involving a team from the NL Central is still in progress. The Pirates are in Los Angeles taking on the Dodgers, and through six innings, the Pirates have a 4-2 lead. Brian Reynolds has uh, hit a home run in this game uh, for the uh, for the Pirates, already his seventh of the year on the mound. Zach Thompson, pretty good so far for the Buccos. Five and a third innings, two runs on four hits, four strikeouts, one walk. Only one game in the Brewers' minor league system today was at AAA, where Nashville was playing in Durham, and the Bulls get, uh, the sounds I should say, get a win over the Bulls by a 7-5 victory. And we were expecting... Willie Adamas to play in this game. He did not. I have not yet seen anything, any explanation on why he didn't. It might just have been a travel day or he might have been a little bit sore after playing in that game against Carolina. The Nashville Sounds will be off tomorrow, so his next opportunity to play in a game will be coming up on Wednesday. We are likely to see him rejoin the team when they are back at home coming up following this series. Game three of this four-game set against the Cubs is coming up tomorrow night. The Brewers will have left-handed pitcher Eric Lauer on the mound. He's 5-1 with a 2.31 ERA. The Cubs will counter with a lefty in Justin Steele who is 1-5 with a 5.40 ERA. 7.05 first pitch. Network coverage at 6.30. Brewers warm up at 6 o'clock and then I will be back with you immediately following the game tomorrow night for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ.